Welcome to the PR Resolution Podcast. I'm your host, Stella Bales. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing experts in emerging areas of PR. We'll be taking those hot topics in public relations, dispelling any myths, breaking down the jargon, so you are completely clued up and ready to speak to your stakeholders by the time you reach the office. If you have any questions around the episode, please feel free to tweet me at Stella Bales. This week, I am joined by Adam Hirsch. He is the current Senior Vice President of Emerging Media and Technology of Edelman Digital. He is actually ex-Chief Operating Officer of Mashable 2 and really made the site what it is today. But the reason why I'm speaking to him this week is because we are exploring artificial intelligence in public relations. And Adam's position of being global head of technologies for Edelman makes him a really interesting person to be speaking to around this topic. In this episode, we cover the whole spectrum of artificial intelligence and how that links to marketing. But specifically, we're breaking down what artificial intelligence really means, what it means to PR and social media right now, how we should be talking to our clients and stakeholders about AI, also how to review the benefits and really measure the impact of technology and AI in our PR workflow. And also some of the conversations that you should be having within the industry and your stakeholders and clients. Finally, we'll be finding out why Adam is so knowledgeable in technology and what news items you should be reading on a weekly basis that he catches up on. So let's dive straight in and find out how Edelman are working with their clients on artificial intelligence right now. Have you found that artificial intelligence is a hot topic for your clients and within Edelman? Definitely, yeah. Artificial intelligence overall, not only a hot topic for Edelman, a hot topic for our clients. We have an AI kind of center of excellence, actually, that is global and has a lot of members that ultimately are also working from a PR context with their clients and how they actually even you know cut through this noise, right? Because there is a lot of noise right now on artificial intelligence. And so large clients who have artificial intelligence technologies or powered by artificial intelligence in one form or another. And then we also even have clients who whole entire premise, right, of what they're offering is it's an AI driven X, Y, or Z. And so how do we help them uh, tell their story, right, in this kind of crowded environment? How do we help them also dispel some of these myths and rumors about what's possible? And how do we make sure, too, that we give the appropriate stakeholders a clear understanding of what type of AI functionality is actually being offered or is available within these technologies and tool sets that you know are available from our client set? So we definitely are doing a lot of education across Edelman, a lot of education, obviously, with clients and trying to ultimately lead the way, too, and how we can break through some of this noise and really make sure that people understand what it is these companies offer and don't put it into a bunch of buzzwords or jargon so it becomes very clear right to the end buyer too about the advantages this company has over xyz i think that's the, that's the key point right there at the end so it's like let's not just have some jargon there for the sake of the fact that it's a hot topic so let's get back to basics what is artificial intelligence for people who are unsure I, i've written about this quite a bit but i think the way that i like to explain at least what artificial intelligence now is basically machine learning, right? So you take a set of inputs and, you know, normally it would take a general computer a couple of minutes, hours, seconds to calculate out something. And then it would be like, here's your data. Then you'd have to analyze that data, put it back into the system and go again. And that's how you learn, you know, one by one by one. Machine learning ultimately takes that mindset 
starts actually makes decisions for you. So it's going to say, okay, I'm going to go through this. I think I'm learning something here. There's always an opportunity for a human to intervene and be like, no, 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 you're going off, you know, machine, you're going off in the wrong direction, you know, focus it on here. Now, granted, I'm oversimplifying it for, for obvious reasons. But so machine learning is ultimately at the core of artificial intelligence. Once you kind of move past that, you start to get to things like decision intelligence. How does the machine then start to make decisions that typically, once again, a human would analyze that data, gather some insights, figure out what needs to be done next, and then do it? A lot of that can be programmed in now, too, from a machine learning standpoint. The notion of AI and machine learning have been around for a long time. You know, I think people also talk about it when programmatic advertising technically has been using machine learning for a really long time now. But at the same time, too, it's the ability to make those decisions and its ability to go above and beyond what you originally programmed it to do as the opportunity, right? Yeah. And that could be used for so many things, which I'm sure we will talk about. That's a, a really good simplified explanation and something I think is missing in quite a lot of the, the chatter that I've seen. So starting on a basic level of, is this machine learning going to take over the whole PR job and whole PR uh, workflow? Has it? Definitely not. Um, <laughs> will it long-term? Maybe. I think the reality is, is that as we've learned so far, storytelling uh, is definitely not a craft that AI can really do just yet. Now, granted, can I take a set of scores about a game last night or a set of you know metrics from the stock market and automate the basic report? Of course, right? That's been around now for five to 10 years. And that type of basic artificial intelligence to understand the context of all these different data points and to stitch it together in a story that is most relevant for the end user is where we're definitely seeing it. But to actually tell a story around it, to see what actually happened here and there, granted, certain things that are repeat, like sports or the financial market, could become more and more and more automated. But if you're ultimately you know, reading a newspaper, I think a lot of people are going to want to hear the personality of the different users. And I think we're at least five to 10 years before we really see a good output of AI from a storytelling standpoint that we think, oh, you know what, I actually would read a lot of that, mm. uh, you know, to be quite honest. So there's um, actually, as a PR practitioner, there's probably many points within the whole workflow that this is really affecting our jobs, isn't it? Right yeah. through. So many of our listeners will know I work for a number of tools for coverage, but being the main one, and that automates a certain point, but that's within the measurement area. But then there's, if we go right to the beginning of gathering insights, building strategies, there's a lot of machine learning that and an automation there that can really help, which people may be using AI already and maybe not realizing. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I actually did the kind of task of understanding all the technologies we use across Edelman and finding the points of where AI exists in those technologies right. and tools and platforms and help break that down to hopefully also, you know, internally and for, for clients explain to them, hey, this is actually how we're already leveraging AI and kind of demystifying what it truly is and kind of grounding it in reality. The way I like to break down kind of the way kind of the communications and marketing space uses AI is three, three areas. First is audience. The second is content. And the third is the intersection between, right? Mm -hmm. So the behaviors and everything else that happens in there. 
And so uh, for, for audience, I think that's pretty straightforward. You've seen things like IBM Watson, right? Understanding the psychometric behaviors, understanding audiences in general, you know, breaks down to the demographics, the psychographics, the psychometrics and other data points that might just be hard for you to analyze, especially at that kind of volume and scale that exists out there. Then content. I think that's where we're seeing some initial good traction and actually analyzing the content. Right now, there's still a lot of manual work to be done in terms of categorization and classification of content, right? For every client has a different way they want to categorize either coverage or actually their own content or their competitors' content. What was the goal, et cetera? I think we're starting to see the beginnings of automation come into understanding content. But in terms of like image recognition, visual, uh, video recognition, text recognition, et cetera, I think we're there from a basic standpoint. I've just never seen anything really do a fantastic job just yet. So just to be clear on that um, point, do you mean when we're actually going out and searching for this content, so monitoring for our coverage and content, or when we're proactively pushing our content out there? Uh, on the on the end of it, actually, the analyzing it, yeah. right? So, so, uh, measure- so to find the content, I think, you know, thankfully, search ends has been pretty good for a while now. And so I think we've been much better at that, about finding those different nuanced points of, of content that's out there and grabbing that, especially now with image recognition and, and video recognition. While expensive, if that's core to your business, you know, probably probably worth the time, money, and effort. But about the actual analysis of that content and understanding, right? Because then you get to that third part. How did these audiences actually interact with mm-hmm. that content? Once again, it's the analysis of that intersection that is just you can do it from a metric standpoint. Uh, you know, understand the different data points, how many people engaged, how many people liked, how many people commented it. But once you want to try to find the patterns and the behaviors at scale, that becomes uh, has to be a machine learning thing to do it at scale. And I'm talking about millions and millions and millions of data points that you know that would exist for a single given client in a single given year. You know, but once we do understand all of that, right, then hopefully. For now, still also human done insights, right? How do we actually analyze the outputs in this data to better understand how we can optimize the different messages we're talking about, which audiences we talk about it, and also how do we say something to specific audiences to help move them down either that consideration path or to help move them into whichever direction is most impactful for our business. It's quite exciting. This could uh, really solve some of the measurement issues that public relations has had over the years. Yeah, Sounds like. <laughs> but also that kind of machine learning, it also feels like that might be something that the way we would analyze over a long period of time for, for a brand, right? Rather yeah. than sort of a short campaign or something. Would that, would that be right with that kind of uh, use of AI? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're, we're ultimately getting to the point where automation of processes, right? And that's where if you can, especially from a communications and PR standpoint, those data points are being leveraged from different technologies. The opportunity is infusing that in the tools of your everyday. And so something that used to take a team, you know, five, 10 days or weeks even, right, is now actually pre-built into your software. That opportunity to have you go from end to end in a more consistent manner with all the data points that you need and make it a little bit more self-serve is ultimately the goal. The full automation, you know, I don't think we're there just yet, but, you know, for about six or seven years now, there have been tools that understand when your audiences are actually, quote unquote, active on social media, as in, you know, there's somebody just tweeted, therefore, you're starting to see these signals. 
And so that kind of AI too, and even about when to leverage and when to engage your specific audiences and automate when to even post that and who to post that to, you know, that's been around for a while and that's more in kind of the community management, social media world. But I think people and companies are really trying to figure that out at scale across a lot of different distribution channels. Do you think this is something that really just big blue chip, big brands are looking at at the moment? Or do you think that there's elements of this that all types of organizations could be exploring? Yeah, I mean, all types of organizations can explore. Uh, Obviously, there are some platforms and technologies that are out there that are already enterprise and have already either acquired or built their own kind of AI engines, as I like to call it, right? The different mechanics that ultimately get you those types of data points or automation points along the way. So I call those little AI engines spread out throughout the platform. But at the same time, too, there are companies like IBM Watson and uh, products like IBM Watson and Google Cloud API that are actually free if you have a developer in-house and knows how to leverage those technologies. And we've definitely been exploring that as well. How do we leverage these APIs and how do we infuse them into the different technologies that we either already use or can build ourselves? And so low-cost, lightweight solutions. I'm sure if you Google free AI XYZ technologies, you'll probably find a couple as well out there. Great advice. So when you said that you've been integrating them, or you can explore at least integrating them into stuff that you're doing already, would that be as part of the sort of practitioner working flow within the agency or stuff that that campaign level, your communications outside that you might be using? All of the above, yeah. So same kind of mindset of like the audiences and the intersection between that and content. Content, we're also thinking about it as a flow of a campaign. How do we do all that research, right? And how do we prepare for the campaign? How do we then generate that content, right? And then distribute it and then measure it, right? So in each of those different steps, we're thinking about too. Right now, it's a lot of it. The upfront is where we're spending our time. How do we better understand our audiences and the content and what will you know work and not work so before we spend the money and time developing the content? Hopefully, we have the best possible chance at achieving whatever results we set out for in the first place. You said that you did an element of research. I don't know how long ago that was, just to look to see how artificial intelligence was being used across the Edelman business. Exactly. It's ongoing. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's at a global level. Exactly. And do you find that technology use just even within the workflow at different area, at different points varies in markets? Yeah, for the for the same technologies and platforms, we'll see being leveraged in different ways. And ultimately, that's one of my roles is to understand how we've leveraged certain technologies. And some of the technologies I originally brought, you know, into Edelman helped scale that at a global level, right? So kind of core markets have access to these technologies, you know, at a limited kind of opportunity to reach into these uh, technologies and tools. So ultimately, trying to find the different ways we've been leveraging these data points and how we've been bringing that together to solve our clients' problems, and then educating everyone else again who's been who has access to those seats has been kind of one of my core areas of focus. So it's it's pretty cool because you always find something new, a new you know an analyst, a team member, somebody you know in our our UK tech team. They're smart teams who have been focusing on technology and AI for a really long time now. So it's always amazing to see the different types of ways we've been leveraging these technologies and finding more every day. What a lovely journey to go and speak to people around the world in in the technology that they use. How do you set about doing a research project like that? Carefully. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, it's, it's, you know, a lot of emails and really just trying to find out what's out there. But at the same time, too, having a remit on certain technologies, I know who has those seats and technology access. 
but at the same time too, understanding what other vendor contracts we're signing here and there, and then trying to follow along those trails. But it's amazing, especially because of the depth and breadth of what Edelman has from the communications and marketing landscape. We do pretty much everything under those umbrellas that you can imagine. So, you know, how do we also stitch together the different kind of ways we're leveraging AI and bring that to other solutions, you know, and other client-client problems that we're solving in different markets, or even in that same market, they might not even know about, you know, that this team has this tool and has been leveraging it already for some of their clients. So mm. a lot of education and a lot of hunting around. <laughs> so for people who might not be sort of setting out on the, the global um, the sense of research, but just even just starting within their team, yeah. do you have any sort of recommendations of how to just find out? Because I imagine that it might not just be one, even though you might have uh, within a team or an agency, an idea of a set workflow it it varies doesn't it right I know from when I was in agency side people would have their own tricks of how to do things quicker how how do you recommend people being able to just unearth what all of the tools that might be being used even within a team let alone a agency let alone on a global scale one definitely have somebody dedicated to it even if it's in the IT kind of CIO CTO department hopefully find what contracts have been signed. If they are free or freemium technologies where you might have to do a little bit of digging, I think even just sending out a large email to the database being like, hey, we're investigating how we leverage AI technologies across the different use cases of whatever business we are, and then see what comes around, right? Because I think people, especially who are kind of at the forefront of leveraging technology are probably happy and more more than excited to hopefully talk about that to whomever the kind of the end stakeholders are. But I think most importantly, uh, and this is kind of how we see our roles here at Edelman from a knowledge management standpoint, sharing that information back out to the network in a timely manner so people can grab onto that, right? And not try to hinder any kind of innovation and growth that is already kind of happening as long as it's within data compliance and governance standpoint, especially with Europe these days as GDPR obviously, you know, have, might put a little bit of hindrance on some of the innovation that might be happening. For people who maybe go through this research process and they realize that there's there might be some gaps actually yeah. in, in their workflow. Maybe they find from some of this research and some, some of the reading and just chatter around AI and PR that maybe their team or agency aren't using technology as much as they could and exactly. maybe uh, maybe their workflow is a little bit manual still yeah. I mean I've actually been asked so, you know what <laughs> is the perfect stack of technology oh, for man. a PR <laughs> practitioner and um, yeah. and I struggled to answer that because uh, you know PR could be all sorts of different things what advice could you give to somebody who finds that they're not using technology much in their current workflow I will just state that obviously budgetary limitations tends to be the biggest blocker here but that being said take one area of PR, right? Media relations, understand who the key players are in the market. I shouldn't be that hard. I'm sure most of you would know who kind of the key biggest technologies are out there and have a conversation with them, understand where they're thinking about leveraging AI, where are they bringing in ultimately, you know, different areas of their tool set to help kind of stitch that kind of streamline and streamline the processes accordingly. Um, because, you know, they probably have already hundreds, if not thousands of clients who are providing this kind of input and feedback on a regular basis and also some money that they've been exploring on how they innovate and bring AI into their technology. So sitting down with these technologies an hour, you know, for each of them, you know, give it like three to five hours over the course of a month 
great. You'll you'll know so much more just from talking to technology and vendors overall. And from there, find a pilot opportunity. You know, even if you have to pay for yourself as a company, right? Find that pilot opportunity, prove it out, get those success and proof points. See, do the costs outweigh you know the the benefits, right? Or or benefits outweigh the cost, and you know then push, you know, and, and adopt from there, kind of the true innovation cycle, right? So there's always going to be something new that's out there. You just want to kind of pitch your ride to the two or three best. Don't settle on one. Right? Hitch your ride to the two or three best that's out there. And for us, especially as you look at media relations, communications overall, and marketing, right? At Edelman, especially because of how many different clients we have. I mean, we just have tons of different technologies out there that we use and leverage across the board. But also we have to understand the technologies and tools that our clients are actually using already, right? Because there's probably efficiencies that can be gained by instead of trying to bring them something new and fancy, understanding if they're already using, you know, X, well, is X company actually already thinking about bringing AI? If so, how long? Maybe there's already there and you don't know it, right? Because you haven't quite leveraged the technology quite just yet. So I guess as long as you find out what's out there and what might be right, generally, you then have to be prepared to be flexible for your different clients because it's not going to be right for every single area vertical or, or even that particular client for that particular campaign exactly yeah in a media relations context hopefully as a company and as an entity it makes sense to settle on that one or two key partners because um, there's four that i know of that are pretty capable that are out there you know settle on one or two having that flexibility but also having obviously the economy of scale that you would need for your business as an agency as a brand or as a client who doesn't work with an agency then think about for, for years do an rf by rfp process and understand you know what procurement might not not say, you know, that, hey, that technology is too expensive. You can't go with that. You have to go with the other one. But then once again, do that cost and benefit analysis in terms of time, energy, and also the output that you're ultimately looking for, right? What are your key goals beyond, you know, impressions? Are you looking for engagement, brand lift, conversions, you know, et cetera? Interesting, that point, the benefits. And um, how do you review those regularly, the benefits of this technology within Edelman? Uh, yeah, I mean, especially when we're exploring it and going through that kind of initial pilot innovation phase, hours, right? Hours cost money, even though there's soft costs, right? So something that took you 20 hours, but now with a technology that costs, you know, X thousands of dollars or pounds or euros, you've now reduced that to two. You have to do that math and you have to understand because even though there's maybe negative costs associated with that because the client already is paying you that amount of money, Hopefully that time can be leveraged to be you know, more strategic and, and use that data in a more intelligent light, spend more time on the optimization than kind of the manual run work that I think a lot of companies are just used to these days. Especially in public relations. Yes. I know that when I went from public relations to a digital marketing agency, that whole concept of sort of manpower versus trying to introduce technology to reduce this manpower, providing us with better feed time, uh, and then that can be used on creative or better analysis. And that just seemed brand new. I mean, obviously, this yeah. was going back a few years now when I made that change, but it seemed very new. It seems like, you know, in traditional public relations, it's all about the fee time being manpower. And even just as like talking about that sort of fee time and it being sort of on an hourly basis with rates for agencies and things like that. So hopefully with the increase of artificial intelligence and technology use in PR, we can start to move away from that and be much more value driven in our in our fee time. We're working on it. Working on it. <laughs> <laughs> so how regularly do you sort of review technologies on a sort of department level? 
all the time. There's just, you know, always a handful of projects that I have understanding what's out there, right? Especially as we were talking about the chatbot space and understanding there too, from a conversational experience, conversational technologies, how does that fit into the world of even communications? For Edelman Digital, our largest growth spurt happened during the, or our original kind of massive growth spurt happened during the kind of rise of community management. And as social rose, right, you look at all the issues that all these big companies had to deal with in terms of customer care, customer service, right, people complaining out there on the internet. So to me, the world of chatbots is not this big, you know, immediate solve in the world of social, at least, but at the same time, too, it's such a lightweight opportunity to just bring in some basic automation, especially if you have a lot of people complaining to you already on social, like just set it up so you can be like, what are you complaining about? Give them a couple of different directions to go in. So this way, by the time they get to the customer service people, they've either A, try to answer to the question ready with some you know basic information like you would on the website, right? Or direct them to the appropriate customer care channel there, right? So hopefully they have just a better positive experience that, that exists out there. You know, when it comes to conversational technologies in general, I mean, granted, we can probably talk for hours and days upon that on end, but just to understand kind of where AI comes into that too, Yes, it's machine learning. Decision intelligence comes into play more and more so these days as you try to stitch together systems. So understanding that somebody who's complaining is this specific type of customer who needs to be escalated to, you know, a top tier, whatever it might be, or this person who's complaining is a constant complainer and they're looking for free stuff. That type of analysis and decision engine and, and providing them the appropriate experience and response in an automated fashion, it definitely takes some time and energy to think through that. But that's where those technologies are going. The other side of AI is kind of natural language processing, right, which is kind of understanding the human language so you can understand, oh, you know, English or whatever languages that are out there. But then you get into NLU, natural language understanding, understanding the actual context. That's where machine learning is really kind of moving towards and understanding just like we would for any of your voice assistant services and, you know, the Alexa and Google Home, et cetera. How do you understand the context? of what they're actually asking for and how do you deliver that best appropriate response in an automated fashion? Because NLP from, you know, if you ever dialed a toll-free number, right, and you kind of started being like, well, what is your problem, right? And then you just speak it out loud. That's been around for 5, 10, you know, maybe even 15 years. The ability to understand that at scale, at multiple languages, the nuances of slang and dialects, et cetera, that's ultimately where, you know, all the big technology companies have been really spending a lot of their time. And, you know, through those kind of free APIs at, you know, a certain level, it's free at a certain level, right, for testing and learning of what's out there. A lot of the big companies out there leverage, you know, one of the other big companies' um, software that's out there. And so when you understand the different technologies you're looking for, especially if you're looking at like a chatbot or conversational technology space, Hopefully, this will help you better ask them, oh, you know, did he build it yourselves? If so, how much does it really understand? Or, you know, are you leveraging Google or, or Amazon or Facebook's NLU technology? And if so, then hopefully you can rest assured that those companies are really working on, you know, kind of mm-hmm. what's the next best and brightest. And those companies, too, are also working on the different AI engines that exist out there and so many different ways, cognitive abilities, you know, predictive abilities. So AI and decision intelligence and machine learning is scaling faster than we could have ever imagined. 
And obviously we've seen too, the number of dollars being put into the space and the number of acquisitions in the space are just rising like crazy right now. So in a month or two, a whole new slew of technologies to be announced from all these companies, you know, by time we get into 2019, once we get into how do we leverage all those different data points, automated cars, understanding visual recognition, radar recognition, understanding is that a kid in front of you or just the rock, right? All these different kind of nuances being calculated in milliseconds. That's what I'm most excited for, you know, so this way PR and comms, I'm excited for my own personal life to be automated <laughs> more and more so these days. Well, actually, that brings me to a really good question, which I know that um, a lot of listeners will probably be really interested in right now. How did you get to this position uh, that you're at right now <laughs> within Edelman? What's been your journey? And yeah. and uh, you're clearly passionate about new technologies. What's been your career path? Most famously uh, was CEO of Mashable, joined as the first full-time employee and then kind of incorporated us and you know, with, with Pete Cashmore and, and the great team that kind of existed. And so rose to this second rise, you know, this kind of the 2.0 error. It was not there in the dot-com era, thankfully. I have just been following this trail and had a unique opportunity to work at a great big company like Edelman and the pen communications marketing company that exists out there. And so I have one of those unique roles to just that's what I focus on. And I'm a nerd, right? So I, I, you know, my personal life and my business life, I'm always consuming content that's out there. And I'm also talking to technologies and vendors all the time. And to the beginning, just even talking to some of the key technology vendors that are out there and spending an hour getting a demo, understanding, you know, how this can better your business, even if you don't end up using them, you know, for your needs, understanding what they do so you can compare them and contrast them to against the ones that you do select or have already selected is key. So you can hopefully push the different vendors you you're working with in the right direction for whatever is most right for you. Because trust me, as I'm sure most of you have seen these MarTech landscapes, there's five to 10,000 core technologies out there in use at a global scale at an enterprise slash small and medium business level. So I'm not saying there's one or two perfect solutions out there, but do a little bit of online searching <laughs> and you'll, you'll find hopefully the, the you know, two or three that's most right for your needs. So it does feel like that before people start to worry and jump ahead to how they're going to build this into their, their next comm strategy, start at home, I guess, is the, is the, <laughs> is the advice, isn't it? Um, uh, like to start where, have a look to see what you're using right now to be able to improve your yeah. your own understanding of, what the technology, what AI is and how it can help you. And then it can, I guess, relate to your clients' yeah. um, strategies, right? Yeah, especially in the world of communications, right? You're going to probably know the key blogs and media companies that are talking about it on a regular basis. See who's talking about it. See who resonates most with you. See what even technologies they recommend. But yeah, starting at home and understanding it, you know, especially at a larger company, are there teams already out there who are leveraging technologies and who are leveraging them in intelligent ways? And, you know, those technologies might or might not even have like a true AI functionality in there, but moving towards just automation in general, right? Because while AI is typically synonymous with automation, it's not actually the same. So, you know, once again, an AI engine can provide automation, but automation doesn't equal artificial intelligence. Okay, so it's good for all teams to really understand that uh, within yeah. a department or an agency just so they're clear on what's actually helping them and how they can get machines to then help their learning. And the automation of creative, right, that kind of content standpoint, as I said, from the tech standpoint, you know, possible. But, I mean, there's been a couple of clever activities, right, that are more for press and buzz than it was for actually the optimization of contents. But 
I think there's a lot of money and time right now being spent at companies trying to figure out AI and creative, you know, and content production in general. TBD, I think it all, once again, it all relates back to what audiences you're developing for, what signals you have on content already, and how do you leverage that to better optimize whatever it might be. I don't think all of a sudden, magically, you're going to say, here's my audience, now create this wonderful piece of content for me. That's maybe 10, 20 years away. I think just knowing the areas of public relations where measurement stands, for example, this can actually just really help in terms of, I saw an app recently that would provide commentary to Google Analytics. Mm -hmm. So things like that. Yeah. People could really sort of explore and maybe help their learning from Google, about Google Analytics to start off with. Maybe things like this can really help for our development as a PR team. And then we'll get to more creative later on. Definitely. Yeah. The, any of these standard metrics and provided in a much more helpful context, like the ones that we've seen for kind of Google Analytics. Great, especially if you don't have the money or budget for an analyst, right? Or there's no analysts on your team or your analysts need to be better spent doing something else, right? Or they're... So I think those things are incredibly helpful. Uh, I'm not trying to diminish the kind of excitements that AI-driven text and analysis of that data really provides. It's just that, to me, I don't think that's going to be a revolution to the comms industry. We're seeing that already on a lot of tools that we're using, and we're seeing more and more of that every day, And especially because there are a couple of those, once again, relatively affordable slash free different kind of API engines that are out there to do this type of stuff, to at least test out, but you know, at scale, once again, then you have to pay for the APIs. Yeah, <laughs> Looking into the future, you mentioned chatbots earlier, and it sounds like that this is definitely an area that if you have social components to your PR campaigns or strategy that you have with your clients, that's definitely an area that you should be looking at or at least know what yeah. it's all about. How much do you think public relations will be involved in having chatbots within campaigns yeah. now and looking into the future as well? Do you think that is public relations? Do you think that's a different area of marketing? It's, it really depends on the company and understanding kind of where communications sit as it relates to the customer experience, customer service, customer care side of the business and also as it relates to the marketing and social community management side of the business, right? Because chatbots right now obviously can exist in multiple different places, right? So for your own website, is that experience, if you were a new customer or an existing customer coming in to complain, did the chatbot experience on your website actually provide a seamless experience where you didn't feel like you got pissed off at the end of the uh, experience? Same thing also then for social, right? So it depends ultimately where communication sits, but making sure too, because it is a very key area for risk mitigation. If somebody couldn't find that help that they wanted, obviously they, maybe they waited on hold, you know, on the phone for a really, really long time. How can you then say, oh, hey, we have, you know, two minute response time on our chat services or our email services, right? So putting them through that track, right? So once again, they can be guided to the right thing. So maybe it's more of a deflection and they can have more of a self-serve experience and didn't need to actually speak to somebody live in the first place and not have to wait it on hold for, you know, God forsaken amount of minutes. Or so that one, that risk mitigation obviously is key, but then from a proactive campaign opportunity, obviously, as you look at the rise of, once again, the voice assistance uh, technologies in, in the home, depending on your business, as you look at, you know, the Alexas and Google Homes and Apple AirPods, et cetera, of the world, think about utility. Don't try to explore it just because it'll be a nice shiny one off. If people wouldn't have a direct reason to come back to it, then it's probably not worth building. You know, maybe you'll do it for that shiny one-off moment. But I think a lot of our clients who've been working on them and have been thinking about it is how do we actually, and this goes for chatbots or kind of the voice assistants, how do we actually provide utility so it actually gets 
the customer what they want. And it could be an entertainment type utility, right? It could be infotainment type utility. I mean, I personally use a lot of the cooking voice services and other related kind of voice services for news, weather, et cetera. But on a chatbot online standpoint, people are usually there for a specific need. They're not there to usually get entertained, uh, you know, unless you're uh, specifically an entertainment company. <laughs> and so the opportunity to provide them down the path that most companies should know, especially from a customer care, customer service, marketing standpoint, what their customer journeys is, right? Why are people coming to their website? Why are people coming to their social channels? You know, it's either to complain or to find out a specific answer. And the more and more you can automate that and bring them down the path, hopefully the higher customer satisfaction or NPS will be. And hopefully lower amount of people like angrily typing on their own personal feeds, you know, about a horrible experience because the less of those, the happier everyone. It feels like this is one of the kind of topics where, yes, it's being talked about in the public relations industry, but maybe if you have limited time, your time is probably best spent talking to your clients and and their digital departments or their customer services departments to find out what they're doing to see how this can relate to public relations rather than everyone listening to this podcast, though, exactly. but, yeah. but rather than just us talking about it, you know, what, how could it affect us as an industry? This may well be live right now within your clients customer service uh, department so and this could totally affect your campaigns yeah and the same thing on that space which is um, the opportunity to also look at what companies out there are doing in general Mm. Um, I think everyone should know like the top 10 customer service like you know rated uh, companies in their space or industry that are out there see what happens on their Facebook page, on their Twitter page, on their, you know, uh, you know, see who the top, uh, you know, Alexa skills are from brands uh, or Google Home skills and assistant skills right from brands. Um, once again, set that time, you know, two hours where people are in a room and are just testing out different messenger bots, different, you know, kind of voice bots and, you know, understand why those are positive experiences for people, why they, these companies have thought about, you know, the customer path appropriately already. Um, and, you know, don't try to reinvent the wheel unless you've got the biggest, best idea that's out there. Learn from what's already been done and where people spend a lot of time, money and effort and take what's most relevant for your business and then expands, you know, from there. Great advice. I think people have got a to-do list of what, where they can get a started at least. Yeah, it's definitely worth, like you say, dedicating somebody to this, even if it's not possible to have somebody in a full-time role yeah. as, as, as some, in somebody like you, but at least find somebody passionate, right, within the team who exactly. can go and re- sort of lead this and get people involved. Yeah, and then share that information back out, right, so yeah. to everybody, because once again, you never really know who are going to be the people at your company who are most passionate about, you know, helping out. So, you know, setting a core team, but then setting working groups and allow people to have the ability to put in input, especially from innovation, great, also culture builder, to have your teams involved in what's next. So the more you can involve them, hopefully the more knowledge you'll gain, but also the more knowledge you'll share and hopefully the better everyone will be for that. Finally, um, you're very knowledgeable in this space. What do you find, where do you find your inspiration? What do you go and read? Do you, is there anything you go and read regularly that you wouldn't be able to live without? Or do you find sort of variety? So I think some people, you know, who are listening might remember, you know, Google Reader. I was an avid Google Reader. Mashable was born on, you know, Google Reader feeds, right? So I use Speedly now, which was one of the, you know, after Google Reader shut down. So I still read RSS feeds and a lot of them. I probably scan, and I've done these numbers before, I probably scan about a thousand article headlines per day. And some people do it on Twitter, right? And, you know, whatever their source might be. But I probably scan about a thousand, skim 
another 20 to 30, and then kind of deep dive on, you know, another five to 10 per day. So I read a lot and you name the top tech publications and I'll just you know, give a shout out to Mashable, of course, but, but there are plenty that are out there, um, especially as you look at some of the big companies that focus on, on AI, AI in general, and you look at even like the venture capital companies like CB Insights, and they also provide a regular amount of kind of this content that's out there. Um, so there's no shortage of content. I think you will kind of, everyone should get a quick guess of like when you started subscribing to these. Is it really relevant to you and your business? You know, after a week, if not, delete it from your feeds. I've done that. I've done the cleaning of the house of my RSS feed. So I have about 30 to 40. Most of those are kind of sparse and how often, but at least 10 of those are like every day, you know, 20 to 100 pieces of content that come out there. Mm. So I think like you just said, as long as it's, even if it is big volume coming through, but it's totally relevant, then yeah. it's really needed. Maybe this is the kind of advice for somebody who might be leading a media monitoring style news update to stakeholders or to, to their clients in the morning. If you're not using RSS feeds, make sure you do because yeah. <laughs> like, or, yeah, speed up your job. Yeah, any of those tools too, where you can have the opportunity to send that yeah. out, right, to your internal team. So have, you know, somebody or a team of people dedicated i love these slack microsoft teams type of experience and have dedicated teams to researching and catching up with the best and the latest and greatest mm-hmm. and then have that sent out as you know once again it doesn't have to look pretty as an internal email it just has to be people who would want that information should be able to receive that information and yeah. not have to do all that work too because i totally appreciate that everyone's busy <laughs> well it's um i guess doing something like that means that the education can be sort of internally within the team but if you're updating your clients or your stakeholders if you're in-house then you're sort of getting two birds with one stone, if you like, I guess. If you're just sort of sharing those articles, everyone's reading at the same level, aren't yeah. they? Great. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's great. really excellent advice. And I know that I'm certainly a lot clearer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully everybody else is there too. And yeah, thank you very much for your time. Awesome. Thank you for having me. This is the PR Resolution Podcast. Keep in touch by following me on Twitter at Stella Bales. For more reading on PR, head to blog.coveragebook.com. Don't forget to tune in to the next episode and make sure you subscribe to the series on iTunes now. See you there.